Um, Today is going to be our last installment in the series of Ecclesiastes. So today is number six, and then we're going to go into a new kind of second part of summer series um, with Pastor Brian um, next Sunday. Now, if you remember um, the book of Ecclesiastes, who wrote it? Um, We think it's King Solomon. You all remember that? And... um, or someone like King Solomon, someone who's very wise, has experienced everything you could possibly experience on the planet under the sun. This man is very rich. This man is very successful, and he's very wise. And so we've been climbing up the metaphorical mountain to have a moment to sit at his feet and to hear his big conclusion on life. You imagine this moment, he gets up, Here is his thesis, right? He says, meaningless, meaningless, all life is meaningless. He says, what does men gain by all the toil which he toils under the sun? Which is like saying, you know, I've stared long and hard at life. A lot of people respect me. A lot of people think I'm wise, and this is my conclusion. I don't see what's the point. I don't see where it's going. I don't know What is the reward that's worth all the craziness and all the pain that we experience in life? And and then chapter by chapter, he starts to dismantle all the structures that unreflective people have, you know, just where they live, where where they're busy, and they haven't stopped to reflect. Now, uh, it's, it's interesting, I, I had a, a friend kind of give me a little bit of feedback on the series, and she said that it's been very interesting, and she called the series, like, I hope it's okay for me to say this, it's not offensive, she said, it's kind of ballsy. I'm like, ballsy? Where, where do you derivative of that word, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I think what she means like, about that is that you don't expect to hear messages like this on, on Sunday at church. You know, like n- normally it's, you know, the, it's a lot more rosy and it's a lot more hopeful. But, but these, like honestly, King Solomon is really depressing, you know. And, uh, but I just want to say, it's right there in the Bible and it's really meant to shake you. So if, if, we, if, if it is disturbing, it's supposed to be disturbing. And I've said this before, you go to King Solomon for the questions and you've got to go other places in the Bible for the answers. But these are questions that are meant to kind of shake you up. So if, you're, if you've been thinking about them and tracking along, um, hopefully it's been doing you some good. Um, and so we're going to continue with that today and um, think about some deeper questions in life today. King Solomon is going to say, let's talk about money. Now, before we go into King Solomon, I want to share with you guys a story. Um, <clears throat> you can call it a parable. Uh, once a time, upon a time in Silicon Valley, there lived a busy, important man. Let me hear you guys say, busy, important man. How busy? So busy and so important. He would work 12, 14-hour days at his job. A lot of times it would include the weekend. He picked up an MBA, and he would often be listening to TED Talks on how to be a more effective leader, and he would quote from the TED Talks often. His wife tried to slow him down, 
Try to remind him that he has a family. And he knew that they were not as close as they used to be. And he would work long hours at work. And often he would come home after dinner. Less family time. And then often work was so stressful that he would bring all of that stress back home. And so even at home, he'd be preoccupied. He'd be with his kids, and they would ask him questions, but his mind was elsewhere. And he'd be with his wife talking about her day, his day, but his mind would be elsewhere. And then when he was sleeping, his mind was also elsewhere, and so he couldn't sleep. Now, of course, the kids were growing up very fast, and he knew that he was missing it. He was missing books that he should have been reading to them, missing the ball that he should have been throwing to them. But he thought to himself, you know, I'm working all really hard, but I'm working for them. And is that true? You know, sort of. He definitely wasn't around to enjoy them, but I guess he was working hard in the office for them, or at least that's what he would say to himself. One day, the COO of his company came to see him, and said, you're not going to believe this, but things are booming and we can't keep up. And if things continue this way, we have a real opportunity to be first in the market. Orders are coming in fast. We can't even keep up. We need to overhaul the entire system. And then it hit him. If his company went through a technology revolution, they could catch the wave and be set for life. He realized this is an opportunity of a lifetime And I know that life has been crazy so far, but it's about to get even crazier, even busier. But if we do this right, we can make tons of money. I would get a big fat promotion, and then we could actually retire afterwards. So that very day, he went home, and he said to his wife, do you realize what this means? If we do it right, we could be set for life. We can finally relax. Things will settle down. I can do everything that we've been talking about doing. But his wife, you know, she'd heard this sort of thing before. So she wasn't going to get her hopes up. So at 11 p.m., she retired and went to bed as usual alone. His wife woke up at 3 a.m. And she noticed that he was not beside her. She went downstairs and saw that he was sitting in front of the computer with his head on the desk. So she reached out and touched him to give him a nudge to wake him up, say, come upstairs. And she noticed that his shoulder was very cold. He had suffered a massive heart attack. He had been dead for several hours. His death was a major story in the financial community. An obituary was written up in Forbes and in Wall Street Journal. It's too bad. He would have really loved to have heard what they were writing about him and what they said at his memorial service. They got up to eulogize him. They said things like, he's a leading entrepreneur. He was an innovator of the industry. He was a pillar in the community. He was a networker. But afterwards, when no one was present... An angel of the Lord came to this man's grave, unseen and unheard. The angel made his way past the tombstone to this wonderful man's gravesite. And there the angel of the Lord, with a single finger, wrote a single word on his tombstone that God had chosen to summarize his life. He wrote F-O-O. 
O-L. According to the estimation of God, this man was a fool. End of story. Really nice, feel-good story. I know you needed one this morning. You all feeling good? Um, more or less, it's a modern story of a parable that Jesus gave in Luke chapter 12. Now, we're, we're not going to go there just yet. Remember, we're staying with King Solomon, right? But um, did you know that what Jesus said in Luke 12 and what Solomon's about to say in the passage we're reading today, they have a lot in common, but they have a different conclusion. They, they agree on a lot, but, and so when you say, well, then so what? King Solomon will say something, and Jesus will say something very different. Now, I'm just going to let you know. At the end of this message, I'm leaving King Solomon, and I'm, I'm going with Jesus, okay? Um, but they share a lot in common about their ideas, and so we're going to go with Solomon first. You all ready? With, okay. Now, now what, what, what I'm going to do before I, like, just take it verse by verse. Um, I, I want to tell you what I think the main idea is, all right? So you have something to kind of like hang your hat on, all right? Now let me personalize it, okay? I just want you to imagine my mother coming and, and talking to you, right? I'm not, I'm not trying to, um, I'm just saying it's a different voice. It's, it's a voice that I kind of grew up with. Now, my, my mom grew up in World War II, right? And so, so I just, ima- just imagine my mom taking out some green um, and saying, I, I want you to, to see this, take a good look at this. You know, it's because of mom's ability to be frugal and to save and to conserve and to not waste. This green paper is survival. It's life, Okay. And so you get more of this, and this green paper will take care of you, just like it's taken care of us, and blah, 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 okay? Now, I want you to imagine that King Solomon then grabs the $20 bill and says, no, 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 no. I've, 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 I've observed. I'm a wise man, okay? What I have observed, you're thinking more of this will make your life better, I've seen that more of this will make your life worse, okay? Now, so it's really just like the story of the man from Silicon Valley. Um, This, you get too much of this, you love this too much, it'll wind up hurting you in the end. Okay, that's the King Solomon's main idea, all right? Now, let's take it line by line, see if you agree with me. Okay, verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This also is vanity. Okay, let me hear you say, he who loves money. Let me hear you say, loves money. Okay, he who loves money. And let me hear you say, will not be satisfied. Okay, now, and he says, nor will he who loves wealth with his income. And I think, in other words, you know, you're not satisfied with what you're making. You always want more. It's not enough. It's not enough. Something about money gives you this mindset that you don't have enough, okay? Um, and so here is one, the first idea. Solomon saying, the more you have, the less you're satisfied. The more you have, the less you're satisfied. 
when it comes to money, a lot of people have an if-only men- mentality. If only. If only I could get a raise. If only I could get a better paying job. If only I could get a new car. If only I could get that vacation house. If only we could get a bigger house. Now, <clears throat> let me ask you, how many of you know someone who had a if-only story, and then the if-only, they got the if-only, and they were forever satisfied? Do you know anyone like that? Okay, I, I don't know, I, I know in myself, it's just never happened. Like, what I've observed is like, it's, I have this if only, you know, promotion or this, if only then I'll be happy, if only then, then I'll be generous after I get that thing. And then you get that thing and you're happy, you are happy, like for a little while. But then there's another if only that emerges from the insatiable heart that's just never satisfied. Um, John D. Rockefeller said, I've made many millions. There's someone that knows money, lots of money. I've made many millions. Think about what they're saying. But they've brought me no happiness. W.H. Vanderbilt said, the care of 200 million is enough to kill anyone. There is no pleasure in it. John Jacob Astor said, (laughs) this one's just very expressive, I am the most miserable man on earth, (laughs) you know. Henry Ford said, I was happier when doing a mechanic's job. So so money says to us, the more you have, the happier you'll be. King Solomon said, I've I've just been observing. I just have not seen that. Don't fall for that. The more you have, the less you're satisfied. Verse 11. When goods increase, they increase who eat them. Okay? When goods increase, they increase who eat them. And what advantage has their owner but to see them with his eyes? In other words, you just see money like slipping through your fingers. I, I think that's a, a good paraphrase. So, so my mother said like the more you have, the more money will take care of you. And here King Solomon is kind of saying, no, 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 that's not true. The more you have, the more you will have to take care of it. The more you have, the more you will have to take care of it. Now, when goods increase, they increase who eat them. How many of you think that they who eat them are like freeloaders? Anyone have some freeloaders living with you? You know, anyone have kids, right? Um, Government, is this government? Are these bills? I think the answer to this is yes. But we have probably experienced more the, the latter, you know, like government, bills, uh, so, for example, I have, a, I have a good friend with a good job and a good house with a great spouse, okay? Now, one day, his great spouse said, I would like a great house. This house is good, but I have found my dream house, you know? And uh, so my friend kind of felt like I can't deny or say no to my wife's dream. So they bought the house. And uh, now my friend feels like the only way that he can pay for that house is that he has to put more uh, 
hours into work. And so there's more time at work and there's less time for family, and then there's less time for rest. And so he's, now he's working these really long hours, and there's very low margin at work, and so he's really stressed. And so he can't enjoy his family or his dream house. And so he's tired all the time, and he's grumpy all the time, and he doesn't even get to see his family. And so he's telling me, you know, my dream house feels like a jailhouse. And I say to him, well, why don't you just... Give me your dream house. <laughs> and um, yeah, he didn't agree, but I was like, that, that sounds like that's... And so here Solomon is like, no, 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 no. I know I'm making a lot with the illustration of the house, but just, 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 you can nod your head along with me if you know what I'm talking about, okay? But let's just go a little further. A house, buying a house is way more than what you pay for the house. Are, are people who, who, are you in agreement with me? Uh, what are we talking about? Buying a home means also a mortgage. A bigger home means a bigger mortgage, right? Property tax, you, you, you're with me? Um, insurance, HOA fees, it, it, you, you heat it up in the winter, you cool it down in the summer, repairs, a yard to maintain, weeds to pull, are you with me? A leaky roof, a leaky sink, right? So it, it just, it just, if it's true of the house, isn't it true of the boat? Isn't it true with a new car? You get my point, right? Uh, here's another like silly example. We got guinea pigs. No big deal. I was like, oh wow, I'm saving so much money by getting them for free because we got them for free, right? So two guinea pigs, each guinea pigs were $30. We saved $60. Isn't that awesome? So we went to Petco and we bought a cage that was $80. <laughs> and then the first time we got the food, it was like $50, $70. But you have to keep on buying the food. And I didn't know this, but these guinea pigs poo all the time. So we bought them as pets, but now my wife feels like she's the guinea pig's pets because she's always picking up after their poo. So... My point is that upkeep needs upkeep. And the more you have, Solomon says, the more you got to take care of. You feel like it's going to take care of you, you wind up taking care of it. Okay, verses 12. Now, I, I love this, this verse. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer. Don't you like that? Sweet is the sleep of a laborer whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. Uh, so, so here, money says, um, the more you have, the more peace of mind. And Solomon's like, no, no, that's not what I've observed. It seems like the more you have, the more stress you have. The more you have, the more you stress. Sweet is the sleep of a laborer. Uh, I, I imagine like rich people saying, yeah, like when my kids, like I don't want them to need to grow up and have to be a plumber. Now imagine King Solomon said, yeah, okay. But you know, the plumber, when he goes to bed at night, he sleeps way better than the executive. You know, the more you have, the more you stress. Um, so sweet is the sleep of a labor. What's the opposite of that? Uh, tossing and turning is the sleep of an executive. 
the executive sleeps on a bed of nails. Either she's too busy to sleep because she's still working or too anxious to sleep because work is still on her mind. Once I was talking to my mother-in-law and we're talking about like the worst jobs we've ever had, okay? And I was just sharing with her about my experience after college. I, I was working for UC Berkeley and I was just doing data entry. So every day you just take this file, clack, 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 and you put the file away and the next one, clack, 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 right? And, and I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just not a data entry guy. You know, and so I was telling my mom that doing data entry just felt like a slow death every day at work. You know, that's what I said to her. And she said, she says to me in this conversation, oh, oh, I, I love those jobs. And I'm like, you, you love them? Like, why? She says, well, by the time it's five o'clock, I leave, I go home. And I don't have to bring any of that work with me. I don't have to bring any of that stress with me. I can just now do my life. And I was like, I'm the captain of taking stress with me wherever I go. And so I was like, Mom, that's really wise. And that, I think that's what King Solomon is saying. You have more you have, the more you stress. The more you have, the more you stress. <clears throat> All right, uh, next one is this. The more you have, the more you can hurt yourself by holding on to it. The more you have, the more you actually do yourself harm by holding on to it. Now, this is interesting. Like, you might, maybe you disagree with that. You're like, I don't understand the harm. Like, how does it, how does it hurt? Uh, well, maybe from everything that we've already talked about, like the upkeep, the stress from the upkeep, the lack of sleep. But I do think if you look from the, a New Testament holistic perspective, I think what is really at play here is that it will hurt you spiritually. The more money you have, if you are not careful, there is some real spiritual danger here. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, this can be like a recent example. How many of you went to the eye screening and you were volunteering there? Can you just do a quick raise, uh, raise your hand? Okay, so uh, I think it was two weeks ago. We were across the lake and we were doing this eye screening. It was open to the community and we were just meeting people of the, of, of the neighborhood with real needs. Like they, they, they can't afford eye care, so they're coming to our screening so that they can get free eye care. So I was at the prayer station. And so um, I, I'm just like talking to people and listening to their, their cares and their concerns. And I got to say, listening to their problems, it was incredible. Um, because the people who were coming were just like one inch away from desperation. Their problems were so gritty. And I was just blown away, like the gospel that I love is so relevant. I'm just saying that the problems they had were very different from rich people problems, you know? Rich people problems are very different from the problems of the poor. And the problems of the poor, like God was just like present, their needs were so real, you would pray and they would cry, and I'm just like, wow, this is really different. The faith that I'm, uh, that I'm encountering here is just really different. It's refreshing. It's gritty. It's tangible. It's real. 
in a sense, rich people don't have that need for God. You know, need for God, I, you know, I got, I got insurance, I got health care, I got money, I got all this stuff. God is the last resort, and I have all these safety nets. And Jesus is saying, oh, man, if that's your thinking, which is how rich people think, we got some real problems. There's some real spiritual danger. Jesus taught about many things. The kingdom of God was number one. Number two was about money. Now, why? Why did Jesus so often talk about money? I I think it's because if you want to give someone the real thing, what you got to do is you got to remove the false thing. And, and people and their souls are so intertwined with money that instead of looking to God to be God, they look to money as a kind of God. And that's called idolatry. And so Jesus needed to remove the idolatry so that people could be free to love God for God and to look to God to be God. And that's why when Jesus met the young rich ruler, His soul was so intertwined with money that Jesus gave him like one treatment plan because it's really what was needed, which is I want you to go sell everything you have and give to the poor. And then when this guy, because he was so enmeshed with money, money was his God, he couldn't do it. Jesus then turns to his disciples and gives them a teaching and he says how difficult it is for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. So here is Jesus saying, I fully agree. Too much of this stuff is a danger to your soul. Be very careful. Okay, verses 14 to 17. I'm going to read it and I'm going to give you the last two points. Okay. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. Let me hear you guys say bad venture. And he is father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. It's like, it's like, son... I I lost it all on a bad venture. I lost it all on a bad venture. I have nothing to give you. All my fortune, all my wealth, all the riches, I lost it all. I got nothing to give you. He lost it. He has nothing in his hand. Look at this. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again naked as he came and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away in his hand. You, you, You came out naked and you leave naked, and all the stuff you accumulated, you can't take any of it with you. This also is a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days, he eats in darkness in much vexation and sickness and anger. Okay, so... So here, here, here's the last two points. The more you have, the more you have to lose. And the more you have, the more you'll leave behind. But let's talk about the first one. The more you have, the more you have to lose. Now, um, several years ago, Raina and I started to realize, you know, like, like our, our ministry in this world is not, um, it, it's not like, one of our great ministries is making a lot of money and giving a lot of money away. We just realize that. We just realize we have some money, 
uh, due to the generosity of our parents. So let's, we got to be really wise with how we invest our money. So what we did is we got a consultant from, oh, I shouldn't say, we got a financial consultant, right? Like, okay, this guy has plenty of experience. We don't have experience. We're just going to basically follow what this man says. So this man comes up with this portfolio. And on the portfolio was Lehman Brothers. Like, are you sure? Yes. They're sound. They're sound. They're safe. They're re- I mean, how, how many years have they been in business? They're good. Okay, Lehman Brothers. And then in 2008... The thousands that we had in Lehman Brothers came out like overnight to like $20. And so we're like, okay, uh, consultant, you are fired. So then we thought, okay, okay, don't go with the consultant anymore. Let's go with Raina's dad. Because Raina's dad is really into finance. He's a very wise guy, and we trust him, okay? Now, now uh, so dad at the time was like, okay, I got two words for you. Buy gold. We're like, okay, I, that sounds really good. That sounds, makes a lot of sense. Buy gold. So we bought gold, right? And gold went up before it went way down. And then when it went down, we said, dad, dad, what do we do now? He said, I got three words for you. I don't know. And I said, Dad, you're fired. No, 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 I, we, we didn't say that. But, but don't get the wrong impression. Dad gave us some really good advice. I'm just telling you about the part that didn't, was not so good, okay? So, so we're like, okay, forget, 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 forget that. But let's, let's go with, and I started to consult a friend of mine, right? I won't say who. I'm like, hey, okay, I'm thinking about the stock market. I want to buy Amazon. Because I really believe in it, right? I, I don't go shopping anymore. I just order stuff into my pajamas, click, click, and it comes to my door. I feel like this is really going to catch on. My friend, who's very wise, says, trust me, don't buy Amazon. <laughs> Said, it's, it just, it's overinflated. I'm like, you know, you know your stuff. I'm going to follow your device. But I'm thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm not going to buy Amazon. I'm going to buy UPS. Because Amazon delivers through UPS, yeah? It's very good, right? Like, you guys are like genius, right? Yeah, so Amazon went up, and UPS went way down. And so I told this friend, you're fired. Um, it's, it, it just, it's just one of those things where just imagine King Solomon says, look, every financial investment comes with a very healthy dose of I don't know. Right? You got moth, you got rust, you got thieves that break in and steal. Every financial in this life is not eternally secure. There's always this element of I don't know. And, uh, and again, don't get me wrong. I, I, it's not every investment I've made has gone bad. I married Raina. <laughs> I drive a Prius. That's been pretty good. I tell my kids... Yeah, I feel the power of the Prius, and I put that little power button, and we turn a corner at 15 miles per hour. It's not a bad investment. I'm just saying that every earthly investment, every financial, comes with an I don't know. The more you have, the more you have to lose. Amen? The more you have, the more you have to lose. Now, now lastly, Solomon says, naked you come, naked you will leave. 
you shall take nothing for your toil. In other words, you can't take any of it with you. It's the man from Silicon Valley with big plans, big money. The one thing he did not account for was his own mortality. So smart. Missed something that was so obvious, which is that death is the great equalizer of all of humankind. And after you die, you can't take any of it with you. The more you have, the more you'll leave behind. Now, Solomon at this point is about to make a conclusion. And he's pretty much, like, I'm just going to be honest with you, he's pretty much like groping in the dark. This, this whole place is like pitch dark. He can't see the big picture, and so he's kind of groping, and he knows that you still have to live. And so he comes up with a conclusion, and the conclusion is something like, now, now when I say groping in the dark, he doesn't know about eternity. He doesn't know that when you die, is this all there is to life? He doesn't know. So he's like, since we don't know that, Let's just conclude like this. Now, this is my paraphrase. Let's just conclude. Since we don't know about eternity, eat, drink, and enjoy things that money can buy. No, that is really his conclusion, right? I don't know what happens when you die, so have a cold one. Have a beer and go to Costco and enjoy the hot dog. Just enjoy it. Take that bite. Just, oh, yeah, enjoy it. Because you don't know, I mean, that, that is really his conclusion, okay? Now, I, I'm going to have to say, at this point, I'm just going to kind of leave Solomon, and I'm going to go with Jesus. Solomon is king. Well, Jesus is the king of kings. Solomon was very wise. Jesus is wisdom incarnate. Solomon is the voice of truth and honestly, despair. Jesus is the voice of truth and grace. You go to Solomon for the questions, but you go to Jesus for the answer. Solomon's like, I don't know if there's an eternity. Jesus is like, whoever believes in me has eternal life. All right, I'm going to go with Jesus now. I'm going to go with Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 12, Jesus talks about money. And he makes very similar points to King Solomon. They both talk about the stress of having a lot of stuff. They both talk about how money can do you harm. And they both make this great, like, amazing point, which is like, yeah, when you die, and everyone's going to die, you can't take any of it with you. But check this out. Jesus Christ and King Solomon have a radical departure on what this all means. Solomon's conclusion is eat, eat, drink, enjoy things that money can buy. But Jesus says this. He says this, sell your possessions. He says, there is an eternity. There is a Messiah, and that's Jesus. There is some meaning in this world. Everything you do in this life will be remembered by my Father and me. So what? Jesus says, so sell your possession. This is radical. What? Solomon was even close to this. Jesus is like, no, there is, an inter- there is definition in life. There is a meaning and a purpose to life. So sell your possessions. So radical. Give to the needy. He goes on. Provide yourselves with money bags that don't grow old. There is an eternity. 
with treasure in the heavens that do not fail, where thieves approach, no thief approaches, no moth destroys. Now, this last line, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, keep in mind, King Solomon is like, if you love money too much, it's going to do you harm. Jesus is now going back to the heart and saying, where your treasure is, there your heart's going to be. Where is your heart? Jesus is now redirecting the person who loves money, who loves the green, towards loving God. And if you love God and your heart is in heaven, here's the implication, then this green paper takes on a different trajectory. If your heart belongs to the Lord, if you love God, if he is your God, then you're going, what you do with this is going to be radically different. Jesus says that if God is your treasure, then the more green you have, the more you can give away. The more green you have, the more joy can be yours. The more green you have, the more you can love other people with it. And and notice the eternity in all that Jesus is saying. There will be money bags that will not grow old, a treasure that will not fail. No thief is going to break in. No, there's, no day, there's no day that your thousands will be reduced to 20. None of that heartbreak. It is all eternally secure. By the way, it does come back to where your heart is. But the practical application of a heart that loves God is you see this green paper as a tool to bless you sell, you give away, and you love. Now, let me, let me try to clothe the Jesus mindset in a story. It's a story from Mother Teresa. She wrote that not so long ago, there is a very wealthy Hindu lady that came to see me. These are Mother Teresa's words. She sat down and told me, I would love to share in your work. In India, there's more and more people um, who are wanting to help. She said, I'd love to share in your work. And I said, that's fine. Now, this poor woman had a weakness, and she confessed to me. She said, I love elegant saris. She had on a very expensive sari, probably cost around 800 rupees. Mine, Mother Teresa said, cost only 8 rupees. Hers, hundred times more. So it occurred to me to say to her, I would start with the saris. The next time you go to buy one, instead of paying 800 rupees, buy one that costs 500. Then the extra 300 rupees, buy saris for the poor. The good woman, Mother Teresa says, now wears 100 rupee saris And that is because I have asked her not to buy the cheaper ones. She has confessed to me that this has changed her life. She now knows what it means to share. This woman assures me that she has received more than what she has given. Now, um, I'm going to invite the uh, worship team to come forward. And I want us... um, just to enter into a time 
where we're going to get ready to just dialogue and talk to God. So can I ask you just all to stand? I think the best way to interact with the word of God is not just to be passive and to listen, but to interact. So I'm gonna give you just a few minutes, and really this is the close of the message, where you get to have a dialogue with God. And I'm gonna encourage you to ask the Lord if you are thinking and relating to money in the right way. Now, here's the thing. When you ask the Lord a question, you gotta be ready for him to talk to you. And if he does, I would say that's a really good thing. If you find that you're not relating to money in the best way, I just want you to know it's something we all struggle with. I mean, if you feel conviction, you would not be the minority. You would probably be the majority, right? That's why Jesus talked about money, like second uh, most often thing he talked about. And here's another thing. If God corrects you in your mindset, it is a kindness, He wants what's best for you. If this is doing you harm, then he is correcting you because he wants to do you good. So here's my invitation. You can now ask the Lord, Lord, am I thinking and relating to money in the right way? And just be open to God, just putting a finger on something. Maybe you want to look at all the points that we had uh, written out. Maybe God is highlighting one of them. But I'm just going to give you a minute just to say, God, am I relating, thinking about money in the right way? And just, just, just see what he says. I just want to say, if the, if the Lord is con- convicting you, I want to just encourage you to ask him where you can give. It, it seems to me in the flow of what Jesus is saying that the, the treatment plan for a sick soul that's intertwined with money is to start giving away so that you can cling on to the real God. Just ask him, is there someone or where would you want me to give? And just, just see if he puts something on your heart. Okay, church, I just want to pray for you. Father, I know that the love of money, it, it, these are real issues. Jesus, you would not have talked so much about money, achievement, success, the drive for all that if it was not really, really relevant. And I know it's really relevant. Help us. I know that you call us to make a radical departure from one false thing to a true thing. Help us to make that break. Help us to be free. I know that we can't take any of it with us, but because of Christ, we can send it on ahead. 
Help us to have that mindset. Thank you, Jesus, that you were rich and you became poor so that we who are poor can be rich. In Jesus' name we pray.